Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Dark Rose Comics Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jerry E, and I'm joined by my co-host, Victor Young. This is a podcast where two nerdy guys brew themselves a nice hot cup of coffee and then sitting down to break down, analyze, and discuss some of our favorite comic books. The coffee that we'll be brewing today is called Beloya by Timber Train Coffee Roasters, and the comic we'll be discussing today is Gideon Falls Number 1. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, if you like this show, please hit that subscribe button on the podcast service provider of your choice. We can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and alongside with hitting that subscribe button, if you got a few minutes to spare, please leave us a review and rating and make sure to tell your friends about this podcast. Now, before we go warm up with a hot cup of coffee, uh, why don't we catch up a little bit? What have you been up to this past week, Victor? You know what, Jerry? You yes. start off this me, time. Me? You start off this time. I start off every Kick? week. I think it's your turn. Pourquoi? I don't know. Just <laughs> Okay, yeah, just you go. know what? Fine, fine. <laughs> fine, I'll go this week. Fine. Um, okay, so this past week, I read... Because in anticipation for next week, actually. Uh, next week, Action Comics 1000 is coming out. Yeah, there we go. So, in anticipation of that... So a couple weeks back, this is like maybe about a month or so back, DC released um, some of the stories that were going to be in Action Comics 1000. So I went back and read Action Comics 1000 short story. It's like a quick five-page story by Tom King and Clay Mann. Hmm. And it is really well, really well written, really well drawn too. Jordi Belair is on the colors on that one and it's just so gorgeously done. Um, The story itself is is a look at Superman and what what makes Superman human. What keeps him human right. um, at the end of time. Hmm. So the, the story takes place. And uh, if you haven't read it already, go read it. It is free on the internet. DC released it, even though it's going to be in, this, in the issue next week. DC already released the full story. It's five pages, but uh, it's a very good read. And you just, uh, it just, it talks about at the end of the universe, at the end of time, uh, at the end of Earth's existence, right? Uh, where where is Superman? And it's catching up with Superman, and mm. what Superman is thinking about at the time. Okay. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's really it's really good read. I really enjoyed it. Sounds like something we should be dissecting. Yeah, and I think you know what? Next week, what I was thinking is next week's episode. We might be talking about Action Comics one thousand. Um, there are some major changes coming to Superman post Action Comics 1000 so that'll be something interesting to talk about too yeah for sure so we'll, pop, we'll most likely end up doing that but that's what I've been doing this week I've actually been reading some more Superman stuff I've gone back to read some of the um, well it's since Rebirth Peter J. Tomasi has been writing Superman and it's mm. really good yeah. so I've been going back to catch up on some of that series yeah yeah what about you what about you Becky? I feel like every time we do this like it's always you know we, we go to you and they're just like yeah you know I did this week did this this week I did that this week you come to me it's like oh you know stuff <laughs> just stuff uh, well, you know, the- not much <laughs> you know, just- I feel like I'm such a boring guy compared to you <laughs> uh, but for this week uh, I got into the plumbing union which is nice Oh right! Yeah, so just been uh, just doing some paperwork for that. Okay, uh, but nobody wants to hear about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me why. Well, that's basically it. Uh, it, just, right, cool. it just guarantees that I get paid. Uh, <laughs> so, so the boring paperwork stuff. Okay. <laughs> that's it. Uh, but the other thing that actually the both of us did this week is we entered our first real Dragon Ball Super card game tournament. 
Yeah. That was something. That was yeah. something. Uh, there are some. There are some strong characters out there in this card game. Just strong players. I have. I have never lost so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and like by losing quickly, I don't mean like losing the tournament. I mean like I we sat down, we played the game. I was on the second turn. Yeah. Second turn lost. It, yeah. it was insane. I, I, I've never seen a deck go that explosive. And just wipe me out. It's yeah. crazy. Well, to be fair, like I was talking to that guy earlier. He said that you know that was just the luckiest hand he's ever had. So it was just unfortunate for you that you <laughs> that you were the person that he was playing when he had the best hand. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, overall, it was it was a really great experience. It's always nice to to get in touch with people that um, are into the the same things as us. You know, not I mean not. We don't want them to like all the same things because obviously you, we want people to be different as well, right? Yeah, but, of course. Uh, but similar interests and it was just nice. Like it was a it was a fourteen person tournament. Nice. It turnout. was the largest tournament that the the shop had. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I went back to talk to him afterwards, the the shop owner, and he was telling me that was their biggest turnout. Wow. So far, wow. and the game is early, right? It's yeah. It's early stages, so yeah, yeah. So exciting to see where this game goes. Uh, in yeah, the future. for sure. I ended up coming out with a win. Uh, and I played against actually in one of the rounds I played against Victor that's it <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the game lasted longer than two turns but I still lost um, but true. it was a good back and forth that was a close game actually it, it was it was close yeah. it was yeah, close yeah, yeah. So, as, as it normally is when we play anyway right so yeah so I mean we just told everybody how many people showed up at the at the tournament so I guess it's not as impressive as it sounds but Victor got top 8 Yes. <laughs> That's not even like the top 50% actually when you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Bottom 50 still. <laughs> yeah, but still, you know, top eight. Every time you can tell somebody you top eight, that's that's it's, always an it's impressive, right? And then when they ask you how many people you're like, you know what? No, it's a shop tournament. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's pretty much uh, what I've been up to this week anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's good though. It's always good to go try something new, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So okay, before we get into Gideon Falls, why don't we go brew that coffee and then uh, we'll bring that coffee back and we'll talk about it. Yes, please. It's coffee time. Coffee time. Hey, and welcome to our coffee segment where we try one of the coffees that are sent to us and have it accompany us throughout our comics discussion. During this segment, we'll be trying to identify all of the different fragrance and flavor notes and see how well we did compared to the notes provided to us. Today, we have a coffee from Kosher, Ethiopia called Baloya, and it's been roasted by Timber Train Coffee Roasters out in Vancouver, British Columbia. Nice. <laughs> As is tradition, Jerry, start us off with a little bit of a sniff sniff. Let's do it. Was it perplexing you again? <laughs> I guess it does every week. <laughs> no, I filled up the cup really high. Oh. And I got my lips all over it. <laughs> so now you understand what happened to me that last that last yeah, time. Yeah, now I know. Now I know what happened to you. I'm not getting much from the smell. Okay. Yeah, I'm not getting much from the smell. Not um, at all, eh? <laughs> Not at all. Not at <laughs> I'm, all. Not, I'm not getting much. It's it's very it's very toned down. It's very it's very soft. It doesn't have doesn't have anything that jumps out. There's no fruit notes that I can that I can smell from there. Interesting. So Interesting. yeah, that that's all I'm getting for now. Why don't you try? All right. Well, here we go. 
wow, you're right. It just smells like right. It just smells like hot water. <laughs> right. So, I mean, yeah, that's that's all I was getting. Like, I mean, there's a little bit of um of like a chocolatey smell to me. Very faint, though. Very faint. But that's really about it for me. Why don't you uh, why don't you start off us off with a little bit of a taste test then? All right. Let us know about that mouthfeel. <laughs> mouthfeel. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. Okay. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Really? I'm not sure what is really. It's just so. Is it, this is one of those super elusive ones. It's very neutral. It's. It doesn't. It's. It's hitting like the back of my tongue, like the back of my palate. Okay. And it's. I don't know. Like it's hard to describe. Like I'm not. Um, I'm not getting anything very specific. Hmm. On it. That's interesting. Why do you give it a try? Let's get. Um, yeah, let's let's get this going because I want to know what you I want to know what you taste on it too. <laughs> All right, here we go. It's pretty bitter. It's yeah. a really bitter coffee. Yeah, I, it's not like overly bitter, but as I would say it's definitely more bitter than a lot of the coffees that we've done in previous weeks. In terms of flavor, hmm, I would say maybe like, like some sort of like a, like a, like a roasted nut, but more. I was gonna say that too. But more roasted than usual. Yeah, like somebody because a lot of the yeah because (laughs) a lot of the flavor has kind of gone away on it, right? Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna go with something like um, something like a walnut. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I'm gonna go, let's. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Let's go with that. Yeah. Let's see if I can get anything else. Hmm. Um. There is a a bit of um. A very very tiny bit of sweetness at the tail end. Okay. But to really pin this one down is hard. I'm going to go with, um, like, cranberries come to mind for me. Cranberries? Cranberries come to mind for me at the very tail end. Okay. So, yeah, so we got... So we okay, got, yeah. Okay, I can kind of see where you're going with yeah. it. It's not hitting me very strongly. No, it's, though, like, right so at the very end, like, yeah. right after, like, everything is gone. And and then the, <laughs> the flavor... Maybe it's, just like, the bitterness. Yeah. And then your body is, like, let's give them something sweet, quick. Yeah, let's just throw it in there. Let's just put it... <laughs> <laughs> and your body's like, look, we need to adjust. <laughs> so we got uh, roasted walnuts. Yep. We got cranberries. Yep. Is there a third one you want to throw in there? Something really like out there. Because you know what I've noticed with a lot of these these different coffees? What is it? There's something really obscure. There's <laughs> obscure. always something really obscure. Like one time we have floral, right? And one time we have cola. Yeah. So I don't know. Something really obscure. Hmm. Uh, obscure. Obscure. What is obscure? 
like a dragon fruit. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you would taste that. No, dragon fruit's a pretty neutral flavor. Is it? Yeah. Like if we had, I mean, we're going to have dinner so we can go and grab dragon fruits, <laughs> but you'll you'll see what I'm talking about, right? Like it's very, like it's sweet. Mm-hmm. You'll enjoy it. I think people really enjoy dragon fruit for its texture more so than its flavor, but it's very mild. Like it's not like, it's not like exploding your mouth apple sort of sweet. Just now on one of the sips, I, I felt like I got a little bit of, a little bit of cucumber. Cucumber? Yeah. But it's not like, it's just like the initial, like maybe the outside, like the cucumber Oh, like skin. the, like the, like the, yeah, like the skin. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see where you're coming from with that one. Let me, let me see if I can get the same thing. Okay, well, I don't get that, <laughs> but we'll, we'll go with that as our third thing. All right. Cucumber skin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Roasted walnut and cranberries. And cranberries. Let's do it. Oh, let's, let's see what it, it is. Let's, what did we get? Let's get the reveal going. So, the notes provided say that we got floral, peach, <laughs> and black tea. <laughs> Wow, we are so off on this one. Like, unbelievably <laughs> off. How are we back to floral? I don't know. I really don't know. Because I did <laughs> I did not taste this floral at all. At all? At all. And it, we didn't taste the floral at all last time either. Like, we didn't get the floral taste last time. And this time, yeah. the floral's back. Like, even after tasting it now, after knowing there's, like, the, the floral? floral note is provided, I still don't taste it. Like black tea, I can get now. I do get the black tea. Black tea I get yeah. now because I think that's where we're sort of getting that bitter flavor from. Yeah. And like black tea at its purest. Yeah. It's pretty bitter. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, but then there's like that trail of sweetness at the end. Yeah. And um, and I think that's kind of what we're tasting with the black tea, but floral. Man. What was that middle thing? Uh, Peach. Peach. Yeah. Okay. Peach, I can sort of see too. Like again, we said that there was a bit of that sweetness at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Cranberry was really just the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> I didn't really have to. <laughs> I didn't really think about this one. It's like, uh, oh, oh, floral. Eh? Well, I raise your floral with cucumber skin. <laughs> I raise your peach with cranberries. <laughs> <laughs> and I raise your black tea with roasted walnuts. <laughs> it was so off. Oh, we were so off. This was bad. All right, that's it, man. Gatorade reviews. That's uh, that's what we gotta do now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're gonna be put, we're demoted down to the G League. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know what? Um, let's let's take our coffees. Yeah, let's go talk about Gideon Falls. Yeah, man. Let's. I don't want to keep thinking about how badly we bombed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's go. And we're at the comic segment. In this segment, what we usually do is we take some of our favorite comic books and we dissect it and we analyze it and we discuss it. And for this week, we have Gideon Falls number one. Uh, this is written by Jeff Lemire with art done by Andrea Sorrentino, colors by Dave Stewart, and lettering done by Steve Wands. Uh, so I was really excited when this book was actually first announced. Months back, um, this was Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino's first team up post sort of the big two. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, they're still uh, they're still both in the big two, but yeah, this is like their first collaboration outside of the big two. Yeah. Um, but they've collaborated before in the big two. So they uh, what when I first heard of Sorrentino, it was the uh the I Vampire run on was that the new 52 mm, yep. yeah new 52 i vampire yep and that's when i was like okay this guy this guy is amazing he, he knows his stuff <laughs> <laughs> this, this is amazing this is this is the type this is the type of art i want to get into it's like it's so well done it's it fits so perfectly yeah with with, with this type of story with this type right? of story and and I, I even afterwards after the issue like uh Jeff actually talks about um, how the idea of Gideon Falls came about. Yeah. And how um, he clicks so well with Sorrentino, right? Uh, both as writers and as artists together, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, you'll get those duos. Yeah. Right? Like Scott Snyder and, and Gregor Poole. Like, you'll get teams like that. That yeah. you know are just going to be instant hits. Yeah, for sure. And and he felt that way about, um, yeah. about Sorrentino for sure. And so, I think the first time that you really see it together is when they did... Uh, when they did Green Arrow, yeah, on the New Fifty Two, and mm-hmm. that was just that run was mind blowing. It was so the good. Nose. It was so good. It was like Indiana Jones, but Green Arrow. <laughs> it was so good because they they tra- tra- they traversed everywhere. Yeah, with that run, it was so good. Yeah. Um. So it was actually really exciting that they announced doing this book on Image because they and they both ended up went going to Marvel and doing Old Man Logan. Yeah. I never read. That old old man Logan, because I'm not a big fan of Logan. Like I'm not a, nobody gets slammed, but like I'm not a huge fan of Wolverine. It just yeah that that character never spoke to me. The only time it ever did was on on Kenny X Force, but that was it. Um, so I'm actually really happy that they decided to do this book together. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's actually yeah, so it's like the dream come true type of dream yeah. team thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, getting into this book. Uh, so we, I give it a few reads uh, because there there are a lot of things that they talk about in this book that really requires a lot of thinking. Yeah, and a lot of there's a lot of foreshadowing in this book too. So oh yeah, like you really have to think forward. Be like, where are they going with this and stuff like that. And one of the first things um, that we wanted to talk about today is whether or not in this story do you get the sense that it's the blind leading the blind. Okay. Um, I see that you mentioned this in your notes, and it, it's I really interesting to me because <laughs> because when I when I read it, it, it was it gave me a different sense. Yeah. Right. But now that reading this thing that you wrote, and I was like, oh, I I'd never thought about it that way. It's actually really interesting. So yeah. I wanted to see what your what your take was on it. Yeah. So the idea of of the blind leading the blind of this issue um, is, you know, we we first get introduced to well i mean we're initially we're introduced to norton yeah before we realize his name is norton right like he's collecting the the trash and whatever yeah right um the first real introduction to a character that we get is actually father wilfred mm-hmm. right um and he is actually being sent out to be the pastor of gideon falls um after pastor tom had um passed away mm-hmm. right um you know it's very clear that uh Father Wilfred has no intention of wanting to go there. Uh, be- well, number one, because he doesn't feel like he's a leader. But also, number two, he's he also feels like he's lost his way. Okay. Right. Generally speaking, when you hear somebody say they've lost their way and they're and they're a man of Christ, um, 
it usually means that they've gotten away from God. Okay. Right? Um, so I just found it interesting that they chose him to be a pastor to a town who just lost their pastor. So spiritually, um, this town is also all over the place, right? They're, they're struggling spiritually without without uh, Father Tom. Okay, right? right. So you're sending in a guy who's lost his way to be the pastor of a town who's also lost their way. Mm-hmm. Okay, right? yeah, yeah. And for me, I mean, to me, that always is a setup for at least an interesting story, right? Min- bare minimum, an interesting story. We all know this story is going to be good, but that's a, a good setup for an interesting story. Yeah, right. Because you don't, you don't have a, uh, you don't have a, a huge guiding figure that is taking that you know is going to try and take the the quote unquote hero of the story or the main character into a particular direction. At this point, we don't know where the where the story is going to go, and I think. That's what's made this issue so interesting for me so far, right? Is because you have characters that have dark pasts that mm. we don't know about. Yeah. Right? So so with Father Wilfred's, for example, how did he lose his way? How did he become the way that he is? Because he's a pretty dismissive person in the in the beginning of the issue. Like, for the most part, he just he just, he just wants to be left alone. Yeah, yeah. Right? Even when uh, Gene showed up to try and welcome him into Gideon Falls, right? Yeah, actually, they... They had that conversation, and he just kept he brushing just, her off. Yeah, just like just leave me alone, sort yeah. of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, then, um, and then, of course, you you learn about uh, Norbert's past, right? Norton? And uh, Norton, sorry, wow, yeah. did I say Norbert? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> who is Norbert? <laughs> it's a combination of Dilbert. And <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just some guy that looks like Dilbert. He's just completely different from from the rest of the artwork. It's just drawn, <laughs> just drawn like Dilbert, <laughs> and he's walking around the store <laughs> picking things up. But that he's picking be... up loose paper off the ground. <laughs> just, that would complete be... his report. That would be so funny. Um, but sorry, my mistake. Norn. So you learn about Norn, and <laughs> and and then you learn about you know um, you get a hint of his past, right? And then now you're left wondering, well, what's what's the issue with him, right? So again, there's no guiding figure. There's no real like like high moral character in the story so far, and that's what's making it so interesting because you don't know where the direction of the story is going to go. Yeah. Right. It very much mirrors. It very much mirrors like a almost close to real life story, if that makes any sense. Right. Like there's nothing other than the supernatural part about it. There's nothing supernatural about it. (laughs) it. There's no and it's not like one of those superhero books where it's like there's someone to root for. Yeah. Right. And the story is just who you're rooting for is the event, the story. Yeah, exactly. The background as a character. Right? Yeah, that's who you're rooting for. You're rooting for it to present itself. Yeah. Um. Whereas in a superhero book, you're rooting for the actual main character. Yeah. To be triumphant. Um. At this stage of the game, you really don't know or care whether or not these characters will be involved in any tragedy or whatnot. Like, because they're just they're 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 pieces to a story. Yeah. Right. So. Exactly. And and that's what it is so far. Like it's it's really just an event. Yeah, and a story that you're just witnessing. Yeah, exactly. Right, you're just watching it unfold. Yeah, and uh, I think that's actually what makes it really good. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm certainly looking forward to to reading issue two soon, 
and um, and the rest of the issues moving forward, right? So yeah, yeah. But course. that's what I meant by the blind leading the blind. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. No, but it, it's interesting because uh, they they do talk about how he has lost his way. He doesn't actually know why he's been sent there, and there's yeah. like a brief conversation about. Uh, why am I being sent here? Well, even when he asked <laughs> about it, like they didn't even really give him a good reason. Yeah, they just danced around it, right? They, they were just like, around it. They were just like, "Well, you found your way again." It's Gideon Falls. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, like the like, worst, <laughs> like um, almost like uh, like an infomercial. Type oh yeah, thing. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Lost your way? Call now. <laughs> Call now. Find your way again into Gideon Falls. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> So one thing I wanted to talk about with regards to Norton's character yeah. is his issue with hoarding. Okay. So right from the right from the beginning, you you see that he's collecting something on the street. Yeah. Right. So he's out there and he's just looking everywhere and he's just like, hmm, hmm. And he looks for little clues, little pieces of of wood, wood chips. Yeah. So in the story, you have no idea why he's really picking those up. Yeah. But you then take you get get a shot of him back in his apartment, and you yeah. see that he's been collecting it for a long time now. Yeah, he's been collecting these wood chips, and it's just it's all over his place. Yeah, and there's just things all over his place. But there's a very specific wall full of these wood chips. Yeah, that he's now organized and he's labeled in his apartment. Right. So I think what he. What he has, you can almost classify as a, a compulsive disorder with regards to hoarding. And okay. it's, sometimes, um, it's sometimes in conjunction with OCD, so obsessive compulsive disorder. Right. And then to a smaller extent, attention deficit disorder. Okay. Um, he can't... Uh, and there's one part in the story where after he talks to the doctor... And the doctor is telling him, no, you're in control. You can do this. And he's trying to walk away from another piece that he sees. And he's just like, no, that's nothing. That's not relevant to me. It's about me. And he's like, you know what? No, I am in control. And he goes back and he's like, I am in control now. And he picks it up anyways. Yeah. Right? And to me is he he can't get over the obsession that he has with, with this piece. Yeah. Or with these different pieces that he thinks connect to a bigger puzzle. Yeah. Right? And he also can't... And I think that the idea with the attention deficit for him is he can't stay focused long enough to not be to not be chasing these little things. Okay. Because the doctor is specifically telling him, no, you need to focus on something else in your life. Like yeah. You need to move forward. You need to focus on moving past it. Yeah. And he just can't do it. Yeah. Right. And he's com- and he's always obsessing over this little detail. Yeah. Um. So for me, it, it it is it is very much a disorder for him. Um. And and I think the doctor pretty much like openly says so. Like this is a disease that you have. Yeah. Um. So I'm not I'm not quite sure if this is what it, the doctor is referring to, or maybe it's something else yeah. that will get revealed in a story. But in terms of what I think he has, I think he has just a compulsive disorder with regards to hoarding. Yeah, I think I agree to the, I agree to that if we were talking about Norton prior to this issue. Okay. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah, I mean it's very clear at, at later on in the issue that he's been hospitalized for something like that. Yeah. Right? But as the issue goes along, now we now we notice that there is 
within all the chaos, what looks like chaos, there's organization. Yeah. Right? Like, he's collecting these things for a particular reason. Mm-hmm. And then as we as we go along with the issue, we get a sense that there's definitely something larger in play than the characters that currently exist within those panels. Yeah. Right? So, um, I, I'm sure that that's true for the Norton prior to this issue. But now that we get a... a now that we've gotten the story and we know that there's something supernatural in play, uh, all the stuff that's happening to him and, and including the stuff that he's doing is leading up to something that's very clearly outside of like the regular realm of human understanding. Okay, right. If that makes any sense. Just something something beyond our comprehension. Yeah. Right? Because, like, when you look or when you read the issue, the the story of of Norton and the story of Father Wilfred are they're both happening at the same time. Yep. Right. So when when it's when it got to the point where spoiler warning, by the way. Oh. I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, I thought it was just. <laughs> Everything with you <laughs> we essentially have spoilers unless we tell you this is spoiler free. Yeah. It's gonna have spoilers. Yeah. But it's, it's the only way to really analyze it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh when when it got to the point where uh Father Wilfred found found Jean murdered with her hook through her chest, revealing the barn. Oh, I didn't know you were gonna go straight there. Yeah. So yeah, kudos on a spoiler warning. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> and then you notice that uh Norton drew the barn. Once you got to that point, you're like, okay, something's up. Yeah. Something is absolutely up. Right. So, um, yeah, like I think in this case, uh, his, I guess, quote unquote disorder, it actually plays into the story very well. Right. Because now it's serving a larger purpose to the story. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but like you said, you know, the, these things, about him could be true if we didn't know or got the sense that something bigger was going to be at play. Right, yeah. Yeah. Also, I almost feel like in the story, you get um, you get those wood chips. Yeah. And the barn is is a wooden, like yeah. it's, it's a wood barn. Yeah. Right? In, in, to me is what, what would be what would happen is if the barn wasn't actually there. The barn okay. was something from the past. Right. And it was something that has happened. So this is like a quick theory that I have with other story. Um, because when, when Father Wilford went, Father Wilford was having a vision. Yeah. Right? He was having a vision about uh, about what he assumes to be Father Tom, the, the pastor that had passed yeah. away. So he goes chasing out, sees this barn with the just the gorgeous red yeah that splash red in the back and he goes sees this barn and then he like rubs his eyes or whatever and then the barn disappears yeah what if he's seeing these visions and the barn used to be there yeah and the barn is actually something has happened in the past and then these things are being sort of scattered around the city and it's up to Norton to find them and piece it together because of his obsession 
right? His obsession could, to put this together. Could you imagine finding every little piece of the barn and trying putting that back together? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, don't worry, guys, I got this. <laughs> just give me a second. Just give me, yeah. just give me a sec. Just, uh, just give me about forty thousand bottles of super glue, <laughs> and I got this. <laughs> he just rebuilds the whole barn. It's, oh, oh, I missed a piece. Oh, oh my it's like, god, oh, Father Wolf, is this what you're looking for? <laughs> it took yeah, about sixteen years to make it. So imagine if then Norton is building this thing up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that would be something else. That that would actually be a hilarious twist in the story. <laughs> yeah, would, oh man. For him to for yeah. him to finish building it. So um yeah, but it it's actually cool that you mentioned earlier there was a point about about chaos and order. Yeah. So it it reminded me of this quote. Um it's a quote from Oscar Wilde. Uh without order nothing can exist. Without chaos, nothing can evolve. Nowadays, people know the price of everything and the value of nothing. Hmm. Okay. To me, this quote was really interesting because this is essentially what Norton is saying in the story. Right. right? What Norton is sort of going through. Right. Um, those little pieces, without Norton there, they don't exist. Yeah. Because they mean nothing. Yeah. So to to the normal person, if you just look out onto the street... And that's that's something that comes into your to your vision because yeah. they, they mean nothing. They're just little pieces of noise. Yeah. Right. So in the story, Norton is now representing order, mm-hmm. and he's putting these things together, and he's generating meaning behind something that has no meaning behind right. something that doesn't exist. So this chaos that's been spread out is now in existence because of the order that Norton's trying to instill on it. Right. Right. And. The second part of that, without chaos, nothing can evolve. This whole story wouldn't push forward. This whole mystery wouldn't come to be if not for the chaos being on the floor for Norton to find. Right. Right. Without this, there's no driving point. Mm-hmm. There, There is no evolution yeah. of the story. There's no evolution of this idea. There's no evolution of the mystery that's been driving the, city, uh, driving the town. Yeah. So to me... This this whole phrase captures this issue perfectly for me. That Norton is representing order, and he is, and he is putting together this chaos that is the driving force of the story, and he's essentially making something exist out of nothing. Yeah. Right. Because in that same quote, nowadays people know the price of everything and the value of nothing. Right. The value of nothing is important because he is mm. finding the value from this what would seem like nothing. Yeah. But he is finding value in it, right? Yeah. Because the value to him is is priceless. So when I when I saw that quote, it was or when I read the issue and I thought about that quote and it was just wow. It it encapsulated it perfectly. Yeah. You know? And it, it played out exactly in the way that it phrased from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found that really interesting uh, when I when uh, when I read this quote as well, um, because just like you said, Norton is finding value from something that you know to us would just be like, oh, it's just another wood chip on the ground, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it's also indicated to us, the reader, um, that these that these things have value as well, because later on in the issue. Um, they start to highlight these little pieces in red. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
Um, and you know, throughout this story, you'll notice that red is going to play a major part. The color red, sorry, is going to play a major part um, throughout this story. Yeah. Um, because it's going to highlight things um, that almost seem like it's not of this world. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, right? Like when they, uh, when they showed that vision, quote unquote vision. We don't know what it is yet, right? Yeah, exactly. That, with, that, with Father Tom. Yeah, with Father Tom. He's in red. When when um, when Father Wilford went to go chase him, the sky was turning red, right? Uh, when Norton went to go pick up that nail after seeing Doctor Zoo, right? It's in red. So very clearly, red is playing a huge part, um, and. I think that's going to help catch our attention as the story goes along mm-hmm. um, to things that we normally wouldn't have paid attention to otherwise. Again, placing value on things that normally wouldn't have value to us otherwise. Right? So that's yeah. an interesting point you brought up. Yeah. And actually just looking at the things that are highlighted in red in the story, like you're so right. Yeah. From the very beginning, they've already given us the clue, right? Yeah. Um, I th- right from the first panel. The first panel is him upside down, and yeah. he's on the red background. Yeah. And to me, the red in this story, then, is encapsulating the fact that he is in this world yeah. of chaos. Mm-hmm. And slowly honing in on this, on the little things that he's finding. Yeah. And, he's, and he's honing in on the order on it. So then there's yeah. that panel with him holding the wood chip with the red background on it eventually it gets to a point where the actual nail on the ground nail because he's been collecting nails and wood chips yeah the nail on the ground is red yeah right so he's honing in on something yeah so throughout the story he's he's getting to where he he wants to be yeah right and he's he's coming to a realization that there's something bigger at play here mm-hmm. yeah so yeah it's actually not just and I think a lot of times like in in stories like these, because of the way that Sorrentino draws, yep. color can be really useful in a story like this because it it's um it's pretty much an entire storytelling element on its own. Yeah. Right? So it's not just the writing, not just the art, not just the line work. The color very much sets an environment on its own, yeah, and tells a story on its own and moves the plot forward. One hundred percent, yeah, yeah. So it, that that to me is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, do you think? Do you think later on in the story, Father Wilfred and Norton's going to end up meeting each other? Yes. It's okay. so heavily foreshadowed. Like I was like, <laughs> I'm just like, there's no way. Like you read the first issue, there's absolutely no way. That they're not going to meet up and help each other out. Right, okay. Right? Because as soon as... As soon as um, you get to that point of the issue uh, where they show the barn on both sides where it's mirrored. Where, you know, where Father Wilfred is shown seeing the barn and where Norton is shown drawing the barn. You knew at that point, like, they were going to meet up and, and cross paths. Right? Um and it's going to be one of those those stories where again there's no there's no real guiding aspect right um but it's almost like father wilford has the questions and norton 
has the answer has the answer sort of thing that he doesn't know about that, that he doesn't the answers yeah. are there with him yeah because yeah. he has no clue what this means right like he's given all these answers he has no context for these answers he's just like yeah i just you know god just showed me a barn and i now i don't know what to do sort of thing right yeah. um so i feel like yeah they're going to meet up they're going to be able to help each other out and then those two together are going to help us as readers figure out what the heck is actually going on in Gideon Falls. Mm-hmm. Right? Because right now it's just like huge, huge mystery. Yeah. Right? And yeah. and again, I think that, that that mystery is also a very good driving force for the story. See, for me, it's... Like, I think it would be really cool if they, if they meet up and then he has the answers, you know, and uh, Father Wolfer is asking all the right questions and stuff yeah. like that. But to me... Because the story doesn't specifically give me a timeline. Yeah. It's almost like it's almost like they exist on different timelines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And we're seeing Father Wolfer's story from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then we're seeing the after effects with yeah. Norton in the back. Yeah. And how that leads to then giving Norton the signs to be at this place. Yeah, because actually throughout the issue, you don't even really know where Norton is. Yeah. You have no clue where he is. Yeah. Like, you can assume he's probably in Gideon Falls, but but in in Norton's setting, it seems, it seems very... It seems like he's very much in a city. Yes. Where Gideon Falls is obviously in, in, in a rural area. Yeah. Right? So, it's just a matter of, A, are they actually within the same area? And B, what's going to be the catalyst for them to meet up and yeah, um, and drive the story forward together? Right? Yeah. So I still f- holding on to a quick theory that they might not be existing on the same time. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Because I I feel like because even when Father Wolfer was there, the barn doesn't exist. Yeah. To him. Yeah, he's seeing a vision as well, right? So right. maybe he's eventually going to give signals out, and then throughout time, Norton finds it or whatnot. But that's just like a quick. Thing. I I always love these time jumps stuff. Yeah, I highly doubt that's what's happening here, but you yeah. never know. Issue two is coming out, so it's gonna be like um, <laughs> it's gonna be like that movie, The Lake House, where where with uh, um, <laughs> wait with Sandra Bullock, yeah, <laughs> where just like. <laughs> and they just leave little hints in the, in the pad, mailbox. In the mailbox. Yeah. <laughs> and then Norton picks it out of the mailbox and he's like, oh, oh, this is it. This is he's the like, clue. Why are there constantly wood chips in my wood mailbox? <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, you know, just like a quick, um, because it's interesting to me that there are changes in the use of color in the, yeah. t- in the two characters' perspective, too. Yeah. And that they're in such a different setting. To me, it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily line up right now that they're going to meet. Yeah. And that I feel like it's Father Wolfer giving Norton a message. Yeah. Right? Th- through time. So, yeah. I don't know. It could be that or I could be completely off base um, and they just don't meet up next issue. I don't know. Like yeah. two pages from now from the next issue, they yeah. just see each other. <laughs> Who knows? I could, I could be completely wrong. But I guess we'll find out. Lake House. <laughs> I guess we'll find out when we read that, right? Oh yeah, for sure, one hundred percent. So, the one thing that I found, um, and just I guess just a quick sort of derailment from the conversation, but the one thing I found interesting is how dismissive Doctor Zoo was 
of what Norton had to say. Yeah. Because even though, like, yeah, I know he's a patient or was a former patient, you know, maybe perhaps he's not all really there, whatever that may mean. But she seems like really like she she was really adamant about dismissing the stuff that he was saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's one point there's one one page, it looks like a full page spread. Um that's dedicated to what Norton is trying to explain is going on with him collecting the wood chips. What's going on in his oh, mind. Oh, that double page spread? Yeah. And him in the chair? Yeah. yeah. And what that the meaning of that is. And then Dr. Zhu just goes, nah, I, I'm a Buddhist. I don't believe in the devil. So anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like it just seems like, it just seems like Norn himself is getting close to a truth. Mm-hmm. And then he's just meeting a lot of just obstacles along the way, including the, including Dr. Zhu. Yeah. Because I mean, I it's hard for me to believe that any any healthcare professional would be so dismissive about yeah. what their parents, uh, well, parents, but their patients <laughs> have to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So I, I think yeah. Again, there's there's something large that's in play here, and and it's only going to become more and more apparent as the story goes along. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And she just yeah, everything was brushed off very quickly. Oh, very so. quickly. Yeah. Eventually, I guess we'll see her show up <laughs> as the main villain as the main villain <laughs> Rita Repulsa <laughs> just makes the wood chips grow they turn into demons <laughs> that would take the story in a completely different turn I don't know if I'm ready for that <laughs> Jason David Frank is in the is in the comic what's going on right now <laughs> he's Norton he's Norton <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah so um Anyways, I think that's that's about what we're what we're gonna yeah. cover with Gideon Falls One, right? Yeah. Really interesting read. Yeah. Um really just really fantastic storytelling, fantastic writing, fantastic art. Oh yeah. And it's just that that entire creative team, kudos to them for putting this book together. Um, yeah. because it's just this is something that I think a lot of fans have wanted to, right? And it's uh, one of those dream projects that the creators wanted to do as well. Yeah, I think this is by far one of the better if not one of the best issues to come out of comics so far this year. I think so. I yeah. think so. Definitely, definitely up there for, for a single issue of the year. Yeah. Right. And well, for like new series of the year as well. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, year's not over. It's far from over, but I think this is, this is a pretty good, I think so. Good contender. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on it? Um, kudos to, again, kudos to, uh, the, the, the creative team here. Like it's so good. Um, I, I haven't really seen a lot of art style like this in comics. Um, but, you know, just like we were talking about earlier, like it works so well with a story like this, right? And along along with the, the artwork and the story, it, it really allows colors to shine, mm-hmm. right? If that makes any sense, right? Right, yeah. Because the thing is like... It gives it the space. Yeah, because it with an artwork like this like it's meant to it's meant for more I guess uh, darker stories where you're expecting some more darker color mm-hmm. right some more grays more blacks heavier ink heavier ink yeah. yeah and then when color is introduced into something like this like it's it really starts to add a lot more to the story yeah right and i think that's what i really really visually liked about um, this issue yeah yeah of course but uh but again it's this is really good and i'm I'm definitely looking forward to reading issue two pretty soon Mm -hmm. uh, as well as every other issue moving forward yeah yeah and um and for me this is just i'm just really happy that they're doing this as a creative own like 
as their own creator own project yeah because it means that they can work on their own schedule they yeah. don't have to rush they don't have to have any sort of stand-in artists or anything they yeah. can tell their story yeah and also just it because the nature of the story i feel like is going to be kind of a slow burn yeah so i'm moving forward like you you would you would you're always gonna you're always gonna be at the edge of your seat trying to find out what happens next. Yeah. Right? Which is great because yeah. it just it's gonna slowly peel back these layers after layers after layers. So for me, this type of story is re- is really right up my alley. Yeah, like normally I'm not a big fan of slow stories. Normally I'm not. Um like it was like metal was sort of like that in the beginning. Yeah. Where it was just like really slow, I'm like, okay, well, where's this going? And then the last few issues, they just start punching you with the story. It's like, oh, okay, it's going too fast now. <laughs> Went from yeah, zero. Because <laughs> zero to 60. Zero to 60 and real 3. fast. 5. <laughs> oh, yeah. But for this one, like, this story, it's allowing it's allowing itself to have a consistent pace. And that's how you also want it as well, right? You want it to be told at a consistent pace um, so that it, it, it keeps a lot of that, that suspense yeah, and a lot of that uh, that thriller aspect that I think they're really trying to go for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, okay, so I think that wraps up our discussion yeah. on Gideon Falls One. Um, so why don't we go ahead and uh, get over to our offerings to Dark Side segment, where we introduce to you something fun, uh, something cool. I don't know why I'm. Why yelling. are you yelling? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm just excited. I don't know. <laughs> okay, let's, okay, let's go. Let's go. And we're at offerings to dark side segment. Uh, normally, what we do in this segment is we take something outside of the world of comics, something outside of the world of coffee, and we present it to you, the listeners, uh, something that we enjoy, and we hope that you will enjoy as well. Um, on this week's segment, I think it's only fitting that we continue to let Victor go first. Oh my god. Um, because Victor always says something really interesting to share. Do I so really? I, so I just I just want to hear what you want to share, Victor. Uh because your opinion matters to me. Oh great, um, thanks. So let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so this week my my offering is another anime. Uh it actually recently just came out. Oh. Uh, so it's Brent Wow. What no I'm no I'm showing genuine interest. Wow. I'm just it was just um Wow. Thinking about other things, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway. Yep. Um this anime is called Megalo Box and it's a uh, sort of like a spiritual sequel to Ashida no Jo, which to actually what? Ashida no Jo. What is that? What like, is that about? It's 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 a boxing manga slash anime that came out in 1968. So this is like its like 50th anniversary project. So Megalo Box is an anime that's set in like a futuristic cyber cyberpunk world. Okay. Where the society is divided into two, right? You have citizens with registered citizen cards and then others. <laughs> so, okay. So people that don't have citizenships, right? Uh, the main character you, we get introduced as to Junk Dog um, is one of those individuals that don't have a citizenship card and he fights in in underground boxing matches that are that are rigged, Right. Um, in these boxing matches, they're actually wearing like these this gear that's like attached to them, so it, it, it like makes an exoskeleton, like thing? Al- almost yeah, sort of like an exoskeleton sort of thing, right? Okay. But, but only on their upper body, right? So, uh, so these matches are rigged against him, so he's scheduled to always lose, so that they can make money, right? Um, 
and then they get introduced to uh, something called Megalonia, which is um, a boxing match that's meant for citizens only, right? Uh, and then Joe, well, you later find out that his name is Joe, um, chooses to uh, basically find his way to get a citizenship okay. and enter these tournaments because now he's aspiring for more than simply just rigged fights, right? So uh, what I like most about this so far, because there's only two episodes, what I like about this so far is that it's a very straightforward sports anime. You know, okay. there's yeah. no crazy, like, out over-the-top scenes. You know, like in, remember the basketball anime that I showed you, Kuroko no Basket? Where, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <where> they're, <laughs> that was ridiculous. There's that... just ridiculousness over-the-top scenes, right? Like, this is a straight boxing. Okay. Right? Uh, so that's what I really like most about it. It's super refreshing. Uh, even though that's actually more of an older-style way of doing things. Okay. Uh, but definitely recommend it 100%. It's only two episodes in, so uh, you're definitely going to catch it at a good time. Again, the anime is called Megalo, uh, Megalobox. Megalobox. Yeah. You know, when you first said that name, I thought it was... An like, anime about a box? A box. <laughs> I thought it was an anime about a box, and the box is a megalomaniac. And it's just this, this box. The box is walking around, just stabbing people. What kind of an anime is this? <laughs> it's, it's a very... <laughs> Fuck box, that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, okay, so it's called Megalo Box. Megalo Box. That's okay, it. cool, cool, cool. What about you, Jerry? What are you? Uh, what are you recommending everybody this week? <laughs> so this week I have something really exciting to share. Um, well, to me, yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> so I've been playing this game now for maybe about a year, year and a bit, two uh-huh. years, and uh, it's called Magic the Gathering. Magic the Gathering. Yeah, we we um, both so, play it. Technically. Yeah, we both yeah. play. It. Um, so yeah, I mean, actually, Victor's been playing longer than I have. He's he played it like way back too. Uh, actually, I recently only got into it maybe about two years ago. Um, so, what's really exciting is for the upcoming set, they decided to go back to the plane or the world um, that Magic essentially first originated. Yeah, it's called Dominaria. Dominaria. So- <laughs> yep so they're going back to that plane and it's very exciting because they revealed a bunch of cards they spoiled a bunch of cards that are coming over the set and it's just so it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun yeah a lot of legendary stuff legendary creatures artifacts all that stuff so the commander format is going to go crazy as well yeah um so if you've ever been interested in a trading card game and you don't know where to start Aside from all the good things that we talked about in Dragon Ball, which you should definitely play that too if you want something that's a little more straightforward. Mm-hmm. But if you want something that's had that spans history, something that has that historical flavor to it, um, I would definitely say starting in this current in this new set coming out, it's releasing next week. Uh, the pre-release is releasing next week, and the uh, and the the products themselves are officially releasing the week after. Um, it's called Dominaria. And you're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun with this new set. I guess it'll be uh, a good place to start the game. I guess the whole dinosaurs and pirates thing didn't really work out for them, eh? Uh, no, <laughs> it did not. They left that plane <laughs> on its own. Uh, they, <laughs> it's they left you Ixalan it real quick. Yeah. <laughs> Ixalan was fun. I mean, I liked Ixalan, but it just... There, there was too much going on and not yeah. enough focus on each, and, each thing that yeah. it just became this... I think it this, was just the concept was too new with Ixalan. Yeah. Like it was yeah. just so new and so out there that 
it's new and out there, but they also went back to one of the most basic things, which is tribal. Yeah. Right? Tribal support. Yeah. But they just it didn't it didn't it didn't become realized as well as they, they thought it would. Well, because tribal's not really a thing anymore. Unless yeah. it's unless it's yeah. merfolk. Yeah. Tri- which they did, but which, they didn't yeah. do so well. No. They didn't put enough support yeah. in it. Well yeah. yeah. It's just tribals is not a thing. Yeah. Right? All these things are just like words now. Yeah. They're just words to our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> unless you play magic. If you play magic, yay. Great. If not, uh, we were so sorry. <laughs> yeah, they're just words. Uh look them up. Dominaria. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it, man. <laughs> All right. So thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Remember, if you like what we do on this podcast, please hit that subscribe button on the podcast service provider of your choice. We can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and our website at darkrosecomics.podbean.com. Please also remember to rate and leave us a review on iTunes if you have some time. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about the show, about what we've talked about, or if you have a book that you would like us to discuss on the show, please email us at contact at darkrosecomics.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at twitter.com slash darkrosecomics, twitter.com slash geeky for myself, and twitter.com slash victorjyoung for my co-host. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at instagram.com slash darkrosecomics. We also have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash darkrosecomics. And if you would like to be a part of the community, join us on our Facebook group at Dark Rose Comics Group. And as always, take care. In the spirit of a snowy April, stop this. Stay frosty, everyone. Uh, bye.